Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Questions for Corbett. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and today's question comes in via voice message from Tom in Scotland. Hi, James. It's Tom from Scotland here. I'm a long-time listener, recent subscriber, and my question has to do with the seeming anomaly between the fatality rate, the COVID-19, um, comparing Europe and Asia. So where you are in Japan, it's currently 1,100 reported cases for 42 deaths. And I make that with very rudimentary mathematics, less than half a percent fatality rate. South Korea, 9,000 uh, reported cases, 120 deaths. Again, that's uh, maybe just over uh, 1% there. Um, and then you jump to the main ones in uh, Europe. And obviously, the most obvious place to start is Italy with 64,000 cases and then 6,000 deaths. Big jump there. I think the official figure is around 8% fatality rate at the moment. Spain, 35,000 cases, 2,300 deaths. So something in the region of, um, uh, I don't know, six, 5 6% there. Now, the reasons given for this by the media are that, uh, for example, the Italian population is a very old, ageing one, and most of the people who have died have been above 70. Now, for such a big jump in the overall fatality rate, I'm not sure that we can um, take this at face value. What are your thoughts? Um, do you think there is any foul play going on? Thank you for the question, Tom. I know a lot of people are asking similar questions at this time about death counts and the Italian mortality rate. Why is it off the charts? What's going on here? So let's break it down as much as we can with what is being reported and what isn't being widely reported. Uh, and we can take this even from fairly mainstream sources that are pointing out there are some deep and serious flaws in just taking these death numbers from Italy at face value. For example, The Telegraph, of all places, posted this article up about a week ago, Why Have So Many Coronavirus Patients Died in Italy? And they were noting even at that time the discrepancy between the at least reported mortality rates between, say, Italy and China and Germany was quite large. Germany reporting a mortality rate at that time of about 0.4%, whereas Italy was uh, hovering around 9%. Why is that? Well, as they go on to explain in this report, according to Professor Walter Ricciardi, scientific advisor to Italy's Minister of Health, the country's mortality rate is far higher due to demographics. The nation has the second oldest population worldwide, and the manner in which hospitals record deaths. The age of our patients in hospitals is substantially older. The median is 67, while in China it was 46, Professor Ricciardi says. So essentially, the age distribution of our patients is squeezed to an older age, and this is substantial in increasing the lethality. And it goes on to state that a study in JAMA this week found that almost 40% of infections and 87% of deaths in the country have been in patients over 70 years old. And according to modeling by Imperial College London, the majority of this age group are likely to need critical hospital care, including 80% of 80-somethings, putting immense pressure on the health system. Well, more on the Imperial College London study in a bit, but let's continue diving into these Italian numbers and what that means. I want you to reflect on what was just reported in that article because it's important, but it has been reported and then swept under the rug and not really taken into account when we get these startling a num record number of deaths in Italy. They, they can't get coffins fast enough. Well, 
well, hold on a second. Uh, we get this, for example, from offguardian.org talking about the, um, the this Italian mortality phenomenon. They have a post, it, Italy, only 12% of COVID-19 deaths list COVID-19 as cause. Report shows up to 88% of Italy's alleged COVID-19 deaths could be misattributed. And uh, they, they talk about the uh, report, citing Professor Walter Ricciardi, in which he says, The way in which we code deaths in our country is very generous, in the sense that all the people who die in hospitals with the coronavirus are deemed to be dying of the coronavirus. On re-evaluation by the National Institute of Health, only 12% of death certificates have shown a direct causality from coronavirus, while 88% of patients who have died have at least one pre-morbidity, i.e. other type of disease. Many had two or three. As Off Guardian notes, this has been widely reported widely. It was even in the Telegraph, and yet no one seems to be engaging with it. The president of the Italian Civil Protection Service actually went out of his way to remind people on the nature of Italy's fatality figures in a morning briefing on March 20th. I want you to remember these people died with the coronavirus and not from the coronavirus. What does this actually mean? It means that the Italian death toll figures could have been artificially inflated by up to 88%. If true, this would mean the total number of Italians who have actually died of COVID-19 could be as low as 700, which would bring Italy, currently a statistical outlier in terms of COVID-19 fatalities, well in line with the rest of the world. It means thousands of deaths currently widely attributed to COVID-19 and being used to justify the introduction of measures equating to medical martial law may not have died of COVID-19 at all, but of their serious chronic comorbidity, cancer, heart disease, etc. This statistic is not a secret or in any way controversial. It was in the telegraph after all, but people seem to be ignoring it or reading around it or perhaps simply not understanding it. And those numbers that they're throwing around there, of course, are from the time frame of that article on March 23rd. If you want slightly newer and more official numbers, you can go to the actual Italian uh, report in English. Uh, from the Italian uh, Health Institute. Uh, the characteristics of COVID-19 patients dying in Italy report based on available data on March 26th, 2020. And this report goes on to detail the statistics that they've compiled of people dying of COVID-19 in Italy, including the fact that the average age of people dying of this disease in Italy, according to the official numbers of just a few days ago, is 78. The average age of the people dying is 78 years old. And keep in mind, just to put that number in perspective, the average life expectancy in Italy is 82. So that should put those numbers in perspective. Uh, but then in that report uh, on the section, section three on pre-existing conditions, it shows that the number of people dying without any other disease was 2.1%. 21.3% had one other disease, 259 had two other diseases, and 50.7%, i.e. the majority of people dying in Italy, have died with three other diseases on top of coronavirus. So to say that all of these deaths are coronavirus deaths is at the very least misleading, and it does raise a lot of questions. This is on top of the fact that, as people have pointed out, you may have heard, 
people have pointed to other factors, like Walter Ricciardi was pointing out in that Telegraph article, the demographics, the average age of people um, contracting and, and dying of the disease was much, much higher in Italy than in other places like in China or at least according to the official numbers. But also, you may have heard that uh, air pollution was is a factor in northern Italy that has contributed to people's respiratory illnesses in the past. That is not mere conjecture or rumor. That has been widely reported, including in the local.it, which had a report on the 31st of January 2017, noting that smog levels way above safe limits in northern Italy. And they uh, they quoted uh, one activist saying, it Italian cities need to breathe again, uh, talking about how um, the air had actually surpassed what was deemed uh, safe levels. So uh, that has played a factor in northern Italy, where we are told, of course, was the epicenter in Italy itself. Also, another interesting just data point to add in there. Who knows how relevant this may be? But at any rate, in September of 2018, we had this report uh, from Sky News. Water supply alert after 150 pneumonia cases in Brescia, Italy, which of course is in Lombardy in northern Italy, the stricken part of uh, the country. And uh, it goes on to say that authorities have issued a health alert after 150 cases of pneumonia were, were recorded in a week in northern Italy. A pneumonia-causing virus is thought to be lurking in the water supply in Brescia, located in the region of Lombardy. So talk, chalk this up as just another data point. I don't know how significant this is, but there are many data points to show there have been viral-related pneumonia outbreaks in a lot of these places where now we are getting these COVID-19-related pneumonia outbreaks. And one wonders what kind of relation may be there. Um, uh, before we leave, just the general note of what's happening in Italy and, and uh, in-depth information about that, I would be remiss in my duties if I did not point you towards the Swiss Propaganda Research Organization at swprs.org that's been doing some great work dissecting some of these numbers and trying to get to the bottom of what is and is not being reported. For example, I'll direct you to their uh, Swiss Doctor on COVID-19 report, which was originally published on the 14th of March, was just updated on the 30th of March. And it goes through the latest numbers from the Italian National Health Institute and talks about what they show and what they don't show, etc. So um, there's a lot of good information coming out from there. It's a good place to keep your eye on. But this, of course, isn't just about Italy. This is about that death number that's being flashed in front of your face every hour on the hour on every mainstream broadcast you watch. The death toll has risen by X amount today. There's a few things that I want to point out. One, just the general point that I want to make here uh, that I made in my recent article the things you cannot say about coronavirus. Again, I hope you have read that article. I hope you have shared it with others because I think it makes some important points. But I do make the point specifically in that article that I do not trust a single one of the numbers being reported about this outbreak. And there are many ways to interpret that statement. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything's a hoax, but it certainly does mean that there's uh, even within mainstream land, even in the most mainstream circles, there are people trying to blow the whistle about some of the shenanigans that are going on here. And I make that point specifically in this article where I write, why listen to James Corbett, conspiracy theorist, or those silly Italian government health advisors on this matter? 
Well, I'm not alone in this suspicion of the official numbers. It turns out the Our World in Data research group that has been attempting to keep track of the coronavirus numbers has stopped using the World Health Organization's data because we found many errors in the data published by the WHO when we went through all the daily situation reports. And John Ioannidis, who Corbett Report listeners will remember, launched the replication crisis in science with his landmark 2005 paper on why most published research findings are false, has recently come out questioning whether the current COVID-19 response is a fiasco in the making. As he observes, the data collected so far on how many people are infected and how the epidemic is evolving are utterly unreliable. Given the limited testing to date, some deaths, and probably the vast majority of infections due to SARS-CoV-2 are being missed, we don't know if we are failing to capture infections by a factor of 3 or 300. Three months after the outbreak emerged, most countries, including the U.S., lack the ability to test a large number of people, and no countries have reliable data on the prevalence of the virus in a representative random sample of the general population. So, once again, even within very mainstream circles, there are people trying to blow the whistle and say these numbers are not being reported in a way that will even be meaningful to you. Once again, it is not James Corbett saying that. It's Yahoo or Bloomberg via Yahoo Finance. Confirmed coronavirus cases is an almost meaningless metric where they make the point that it doesn't matter that the United States surpassed China this week in reported COVID-19 cases because those numbers don't tell us how many people actually became infected in either country, nor do they tell us how fast the disease is spreading since only a tiny portion of the population has been tested. The numbers are almost meaningless, says Steve Goodman, a professor of epidemiology at Stanford University. There's a huge reservoir of people who have mild cases and would not likely seek testing, he says. The rate of increase in positive results reflect a mixed-up combination of increased testing rates and spread of the virus. And they go on to to make that point that as more people get tested and get deemed positive, false positive at any rate, as more people get tested and more people get deemed positive, then those uh, case numbers, of course, start to rise. And as, as the test becomes more prevalent and more people get tested, then those numbers will rise accordingly. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is an exponential rise in new cases. It means that they're doing an exponentially larger and larger amount of tests for those cases. And whether the test is reliable or not is an entirely other question and one that needs to be explored. But we can go even further with this. Remember that Imperial College London study that they were citing earlier in the uh, Telegraph? Well, maybe people shouldn't have cited that quite so uh, religiously as if it was handed down from on high because, oh, as it turns out, oh, they vastly, vastly overestimated the number of deaths that were going to take place in the UK because of this COVID-19 crisis. If they don't lock down the entire country and give Boris Johnson complete dictatorial power, uh uh-oh, well, then we're going to see half a million people dead. Oh, wait, did we say half a million? We meant 20,000. That's right, we can uh, get this from many places, including the Daily Wire covered it. Epidemiologist behind highly cited coronavirus model drastically downgrades projection where it notes that epidemiologist Neil Ferguson, who created the highly cited Imperial College London coronavirus model, which has been cited by organizations like the New York Times and has been instrumental in governmental policy decision-making, offered a massively downgraded projection of the potential death toll on Wednesday. Ferguson's model projected 2.2 million dead people in the United States and 500,000 in the UK from COVID-19 if no action were taken to slow the virus and blunt its curve. 
The model predicted far fewer deaths if lockdown measures, measures, measures such as those taken by the British and American governments were undertaken. Oh, well, there you go. It's science. You, this is an experiment in how to trust science, right? Neil deGrasse Tyson. So, well, if they say we have to lock you down and take away all your rights in order to save you from this virus, then just listen to the science scientists. Oh, wait. After just one day of ordered lockdowns in the UK, Ferguson is presenting drastically downgraded estimates, crediting lockdown measures, but also revealing that far more people likely have the virus than his team figured. So, in other words, they were basing their model projection on completely bogus numbers that they didn't know what they were talking about. And after the lockdown that they were advocating for goes into place, they go, oops, we kind of got that wrong. Well, anyway, let's continue the lockdown. Wow, color me shocked. If you want much more scientific detail about that report and its failings, I'll direct you to a post by Nick Lewis on climate, etc. COVID-19, updated data implies that UK modeling hugely overestimates the expected death rates from infection. But no surprise there, of course. Hype, hype, hype the crisis as much as possible in order to accomplish as much of the agenda as possible and institute as much of the police state as possible. And then, once that happens, you can backtrack a little. Or better yet, just implant that idea in the minds of the public. 2.2 million Americans are going to die. Half a million Brits are going to die of this unless we lock down. And a few months from now, when 2.2 million Americans are not labeled dead from the coronavirus, again, however that label is being applied in the US or in the UK or in other contexts, because everyone is making up their own rules about how they report their figures. But when that does not happen, they'll be able to say, see, the lockdown worked, regardless of whether or not there was anything behind these projections in the first place. And now they're admitting that, in fact, there is nothing behind them. Uh, once again, I want to stress that it is not a couple of isolated lone voices in the wilderness trying to call question, uh, qu uh, trying to raise questions about the panic, pandemonium, and hype that is being uh, used to push the lockdown agenda and everything else that's going on right now. It is a lot of people. A lot of people are desperately trying to blow the whistle on what is happening, and their voices need to be heard. Uh, for example, OffGuardian.org is noting 12 experts questioning the coronavirus panic going through, again, some very mainstream researchers and people who have been well-respected but are now increasingly becoming marginalized because they are not towing the party line with regards to this pandemic scare. Uh, OffGuardian followed that up a few days later with 10 more experts criticizing the coronavirus panic. So for those keeping track at home, there's 22 different sources for you. Uh, just to start exploring. Obviously, there's a lot more that needs to be said about this, but yes, the question of deaths and mortality rate and what have you is only as good as the numbers that are coming to us anyway. I mean, take them for what it's worth. And as I say, I don't trust any of the numbers. It doesn't necessarily, again, it doesn't mean it's all a hoax. It doesn't mean that, that nothing is happening. It doesn't mean that there are millions of people secretly dying that we're not hearing about. B but uh, both of those are possibilities. In fact, there are many possibilities. It's like... Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, as she pointed out, with the the 21 trillion or whatever 
you can add up from the books that have gone missing from the Pentagon's coffers over the past 20 years? Well, actually, no. We All we know is we don't know the number. It could be much more. It could be, it could be less. It could be different. But at any rate, we don't know the number. That's specifically the point. And in this case, again, with these numbers that are being reported in different ways and for different reasons, and what counts as dying from coronavirus? What if you have three other diseases that you're battling at the same time, and when you die, they give you the test and they found, oh, he also had coronavirus, therefore coronavirus death. Again, every single, not only national policies, but there will be different state and local and different ways of calculating these things. So keep this in mind when we're talking about death rates and uh, with regards to coronavirus. There's a lot of hype that's going around right now, and there are people who are desperately trying to blow the whistle on that hype. I hope that people will explore the resources, the show notes uh, that I'm going to put in the show notes, I should say. Lots and lots of links to further information to explore these important topics, uh, because I guess we're all epidemiologists now, um, in the same way we all became uh, scholars of Middle Eastern politics after 9-11. Well, now we're all invested in this new paradigm. So uh, better get up to speed, at least with what is being said, what what is being claimed, why it is being claimed, and what others are saying about that. Uh, I'm not coming to any conclusions for you, but I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on here, and it's going to take a lot of uh, a, a lot of weed whacking to whack through those weeds and find a clear path through this. So thank you for raising the question, Tom, because it is an important question to raise at this point. That's going to do it for now. I'm looking forward to answering your next question. And also, of course, lots of information coming out on CorbettReport.com on a daily basis. I hope you are checking the site on a regular basis. Until next time, James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.